Baptist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. And now, may you be blessed as we give our attention to the reading of God's Word. Almighty God, may your spirit calm our spirits, still our hearts and still our minds, that we might be open to that which you would speak to us through the reading of your Word and through the words which you have given Pastor Jim. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Our gospel reading today comes from John chapter 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to be well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen, amen. Would you you pray with me? God, um, for the last several days... There have been those gathered here in Lexington praying for an awakening in your church. Praying for a renewal, praying for an opening and and an opportunity to deepen. And Lord, this is our prayer this morning as well. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken us. Come and those places that uh, where you've not been our vision be our vision. Come and deepen us. Invite us to the deeper waters to see your grace and your provision and your love. As we explore wounds today and the breakthrough that you long for us, I pray, O God, that that, uh, these meditations of my heart, these words of my mouth, that they would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do today. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and all who agreed with it, said, Amen. Amen. There's a definition I'll share with you from Merriam-Webster. A natural reaction to things not going the way we thought. That's called disappointment. Sounds about right. It's a wound that we all face. Sometimes daily, sometimes from, or oftentimes, from a thousand different sources. This uh, sermon series through Lent, we've uh, intentionally been trying to avoid quick solutions for the wounds that we carry. We're, seeing, uh, we're seeking breakthroughs, not Band-Aids, right? Band-Aids fall off. We're seeking for something that God wants to do that will be lasting. And again, I believe God wants to do some breakthroughs in our lives. But breakthroughs don't come quickly, they, they take time. Sometimes they take like 40 days of time, which is Hebrew speak for a long while. 
And disappointment isn't something that we can just trivialize or gloss over or put a Band-Aid on and say everything will be okay because that's dangerous. Disappointment that's not named, that's not shared, that's not expressed leads to some ugly scars, ugly traits. And when unacknowledged, disappointment can create behaviors that inside of us will wound us deeply, but also wound the ones that we love, those that are around us. Disappointment can kind of be like a bubbling pot on a stove. Have you ever been burned by one of those? There's no worse burn. It always come at the wrong moments. About 4,000 years ago, there was this teenager who found himself face-to-face with a pretty big disappointment. Uh, Where was he? Well, he was at the bottom of a pit. Normally, uh, this pit was used for water to provide relief for flocks, but this day, it was a prison. It was dark, it was cramped, it was tight, there was barely enough room for this teenager to even move. The boy curled up on the ground, his face bruised, his body sore from the, uh, from the fall, his eyes caked with dirt, with tears. And as he lay there, he could hear his captors congratulate themselves for a job well done. Pretty sick. They're eating fresh meat cooked over an open fire. There are cruel laughs. There are words that hurt more than the fists that were used just a little bit earlier. And what made it worse for this boy was that the captors, the cruel laughs, came from brothers. The boy and the captor often at odds, but still related. That boy was a kid by the name of Joseph. You've heard of him? His brothers had weaved this scheme to get rid, uh, to rid themselves of this spoiled, rotten brat of a daddy's boy. I want to invite you to do something. My grandmother was a kindergarten teacher, and she had us do this pretty regularly. She would say, let's put on our imagination hats, and let's play pretend for a second. Can we do that? Nobody's doing it. There you are. Okay. What do you think Joseph was feeling down in that pit? What do you think he was thinking? Maybe betrayal? Fear? Loneliness? Think he felt hopeless? Wonder if he had any regrets. I bet he had a few worries about what was coming next. Pretty sure he woke up that morning not expecting to be in the bottom of a pit. Joseph wouldn't stay in that pit, uh, but that doesn't mean things got better for him or easier. He was sold as a slave. He would eventually receive a promotion, but that would end in humiliation for doing what was right. Joseph was put in prison, another disappointment. And from prison, he was charged with the care of all the comings and goings in the prison life, and he was left there forgotten, there for years. And in that time, he chose something. Instead of being foolish and choosing harmful reactions, he chose to be patient. And eventually, he was pulled out, he was put on display, and he became second in power to the whole nation of Egypt. And eventually, we become the rescuer, the savior, to the very brothers that schemed to do him harm. Disappointment is one of those things that happens to all of us. Maybe not to the degree of Joseph. Some of us, yes. But disappointment happens. 
And our souls, we're tremendously adaptable. Did you know that? We can handle disappointment as long as we talk about it, as long as we bring it out into the light. But when disappointment is allowed to be left unchallenged or forgotten or ignored, then there are deadly behaviors that can take over. I think there are some disappointment triggers that I'd like to share with you uh, that if we leave them uncared for, man, they will do some damage. The first one is what um, I'm calling a thinning of hope. Um, my dad, um, I was talking on the phone with him not too long ago, and he said, Jim, he said, well, what are you going to go do? I said, I'm going to get a haircut. It's really thick. And he said, well, just be glad it's stuck around. <laughs> hope like for some of us, is like hair that thins out. Hope is a desire for something or someone and, and a belief that it could actually happen. Remove just one of those and hope starts to die. Don't have any desire? Well, then enthusiasm and passion just disappear. Uh, no belief? Then we get into this cycle of of pointless stewing that might even bring questions of God's goodness. Um, well, I guess God just doesn't care about me. And then we take on the patron saint of grumpiness, Eeyore. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> Disappointment also opens the doors to the, the ever jolly Da family. Have you, have you ever met the Da family? Nobody here has met the Da family? You've never met shoulda, woulda, coulda, and their cousin Atta? The Da family is this clan of regret. Regret. But Joseph had a few regrets in that pit. What do you think? Think he might have wondered if he could have held back those dreams from his brothers? Would have left that pretty jacket back at home? Finally, disappointment can put us on a treadmill of worry. Well, we just run and run and run and we start going up what-if mountain. We think and we chew on every possible situation and decision, mostly bad, about what's in front of us. Some of the what-ifs look back. What if I'd just done that differently? While other what-ifs have us go us into the future, go us forward. What if I lose my job? What if I lose my family? What if I lose my iPhone? And over time, that mountain of what-ifs, it becomes so huge that it becomes impossible to do the next right thing in love. We've what-ifed all over ourselves, and in the process, we become physically and emotionally and spiritually spent. And all the while, that treadmill keeps calling us to worry, gets us moving, but takes us nowhere. These three triggers of, of disappointment, if you see them in your life, we need to, to watch out because they can lead to greater outcomes, deeper outcomes, more painful outcomes. Let me share just two with you. The first one is apathy. Apathy. I wonder if Joseph in that pit or as a slave or in the, pres in the prison ever felt like just giving up. Well, here we go again. Apathy is indifference, inaction. It's a lukewarmness that's just worthy of nausea. Apathy just doesn't care. It just flat out does nothing. It gives up. 
The other outcome uh, is this ancient word called avarice. Now, most of us know it by its more commonly used uh, word greed, but greed is misleading. Say greed and you're likely to just think of money, but greed is a heart condition, not just a wallet one. Avarice says that deep down, I believe that the dreams, wishes, and needs that I have won't be fulfilled, so I'm going to crave and long and want for something that I don't believe I will ever truly possess. That's avarice. Hollywood's capitalized on this character several times in movies. Michael Douglas in Wall Street. Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. For you Disney fans, Maui from Moana. Covered with greed and wanting to be loved by the whole earth. And let's not forget the king of greed. The easiest one to grab from cinema is Ebenezer Scrooge, right? The old miser could have enough, but he was disgusted by the surplus population of the world that kept him from having more. These characters, they have more than just money or thing problems. They're craving, they're hoarding, they're filled with avarice. And avarice and apathy may sound contradictory, but they're two sides to the same coin of disappointment. One side freezes and forgets, and the other lunges, and it, and it never forgets the debts that are owed to them. But there's good news. There's a breakthrough that awaits on the other side of those who are, need healing from disappointment. It's not a band-aid. It doesn't come quick. It's not often easy, but it is possible. There's a, a salve for disappointment that's found in the story that Chad read for us just a minute ago. Bethesda means house of, of peace, house, a place of mercy. And the pool Bethesda was believed to be this place where the angels would come and they would stir the waters, offering those who could enter them healing from their deepest infirmities. And Chad read for us that there's been this man who's been at this place of healing for how long? 38 years, 38 years of waiting, 38 years of hope deferred, 38 years of being alone with no one to help him, 38 years of disappointment. And you can hear the apathy and the small sprigs of avarice it craving in his voice. Jesus comes along and says, hey, would you like to get well? Don't skip that. Because that question, would you like to get well, that's the first step in, in, in the salve of, of recovering from disappointment. It's confronting that wellness question. And Jesus invites this man into something by saying that. The man's response reveals his hopelessness. But Jesus invites him, do you see what he does? He invites him to hope again. Their excuses, apathy has taken root, but there's still this question, do you want to be Healed, and I have to imagine that there was something in that man, something in his face that revealed, yes, I want to hope again. Because what does Jesus say to him? Well, get up and walk. In other words, let's bypass the special water. Let's get through the deferred longing for something to happen. Let's get up. Let's seize life. Let's seize healing. Let's pick up our mat and let's walk again. The beggar at Bethesda had to choose to hope again. He had to choose to reject apathy. He had to resist greed towards others who would, could move faster. 
could get up and get in the pool. He had to get up, grab his mat, and start walking. It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? When we're faced with disappointment and regret and worry and hopelessness, one of the steps to breakthrough is to choose hope. To be a prisoner of hope, as Charles Wesley would say. And from hope, we, we get to grab on what the church fathers and mothers called liberality, freedom. Freedom from avarice and apathy comes when we, give to cho- we, give, we choose to give away what we normally would crave. If you crave attention, choose to freely give away anonymity. You crave possessions, give more. You, you crave having answers or being the person that others come to for answers, give away the freedom to not be so important. This man at Bethesda lived for 38 years with deferred hope, and in one question and in one statement, he regains what was lost. He gets a breakthrough. Most scholars believe that Joseph was 17 years old when he was down there in that pit would take 20 more years before Joseph would be pulled up, would see his brothers this time standing over them. They didn't recognize him, which is probably good for them, but he recognized them. When he finally reveals his identity, they're terrified. Will he retaliate? Was his craving for justice going to cost them their lives, their lives of their children? But Joseph chose to live in freedom, liberality. He chose to forgive wide open, to hope not for a broken family, but a restored one. And when his father died, the brothers come, oh man, our protection is gone, what are we going to do? And they grovel before Joseph all over again. And I love that Joseph, what does he do? He weeps. He weeps with sadness over his brothers because they couldn't receive the freedom that he was clearly living in. He told them, you intended evil for me, but God intended it for good. The word intended is better translated weaved, like you would weave a blanket or a rug or a tapestry. You weaved evil. You plotted evil, but God rewove the work for good. See, that's God's handiwork in the midst of disappointment. It may feel like all the actions occurring to you are being woven together in a tapestry of disappointment, and the enemy majors in this. But, ah, uh, yes, but God can reweave our moments of disappointment into something good. I'll say that again because Al is the only one who heard that. (laughs) But God can reweave our moments of disappointment into something good. The man at the well was given an opportunity to hope again. And Jesus asked him if he wanted to be well. Beloved, brother and sister, do you want to be well? Healing from disappointment comes when we choose to hope again. Hope against the odds. Hope when it says we should stop hoping. It comes when we choose to live in this freedom of not being owned by our cravings. The man had to get up, 
Joseph had to keep on hoping. So do we. If you're reeling in disappointment this morning for whatever reason, I want to invite you to something today. I want to invite you to name your wound. Name your disappointment. You may need to write it down. It's okay. You can use one of the, bullet, the, 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 the bulletin or the, the offering envelopes. Write it down. Call it out. Name it. Say it. In a pit. Here I am. Had a chance for healing, but you can't get to the waters because someone always beat you there? Declare it. Swallowed up in regrets or stuck on a treadmill of worry? Hear the Savior ask you, do you want to be well? Has the craving for something more become your identity? Maybe it's time to hear the Savior say, get up. It's time to be whole. It's time to walk. It's time to live. If you're hurting with disappointment any kind of day and you feel like you're in some kind of pit, then there's one more thing that I want to make sure that you know. God has several favorite words, but I want to share one of his favorite words with you in closing today. It's one that you probably didn't think. It's not grace and mercy and peace. Those are great. Those are good. Redemption, yay! The one I want to share with you this morning, one of God's favorite words is the word through. Listen to Isaiah 43. Listen to the Lord who created you, the one who formed you. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. One of his favorite words is through. Through it all. Through it all. One of my favorite pastors, Max Lucado, says this up on the screen, and I want to leave this with you. Feeling disappointment, feeling hurt, feeling loss, you'll get through this. It won't be painless, it won't be quick, but God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. Don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. So beloved brother and sister, do you want to get well? Will you give yourself over to hope again? To freedom? Because this is the longing of breakthrough that the Father has for all of his children. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you. We thank you for this word and we thank you for the promise that in the midst of our disappointment, while it can cause all kinds of problems, you have promised to go through with us. That promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Ah. There's many of us, Lord, that need to hear that word this morning. Um, We know that you're standing there asking us, do we want to get well? And we're just so stuck. Do we dare hope again? Do we dare trust again? And yet, Father, you have continued to invite us to stand up, to pick up our mat, to go for it.
Father, some of us are in a pit right now. We're bloody and we're bruised. We're aching. And, and we need you to pull us out. Lord, where, wherever our hurt, wherever our disappointment may be, wherever that wound might be in our lives, I pray, God, that you would give each and every one of us a, a hungering to talk to somebody about it this week. That we would find someone that we could trust and share, I'm really, this is going on, and that we would be able to hear your words of healing spoken over us. Thank you, Jesus, for offering us the opportunity to be well. We love you, Lord, and we give you thanks for this and for all things. For it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we offer this prayer. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is...